0: This is the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Avi Kravitz. A quick note before we start. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, March 30th, a week before publication. At the time, a decision had not been made about Rose's membership in the Responsible Jewelry Council, a topic we discuss in this episode. The company has since withdrawn its membership, but we feel the basic premise of our discussion remains relevant. Enjoy the episode. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, De Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Report Diamond podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz. I'm the senior analyst at Rappaport, or as I say in Spain, Senor Analyst. Um, I'm joined today with our editor-in-chief, Sonia Esther Sultani, and our very special guest um is Pat Hanneberry, who recently joined Rappaport as our new chief business officer. And we're going to get to get to know Pat a bit um a bit today and introduce all our listeners to her. Thanks for joining us, Pat. It's so great to have you with us.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Sonia, welcome to you too. It's so nice to see you as always.
2: Thanks, Evie. I'm really excited to share this podcast with you and Pat today.
0: It's been such an action-packed day today in our newsroom, even if it's a virtual newsroom where we're all working from home today. And our listeners are going to listen to this podcast a week after recording, but today there was a lot of news that came through about, um, about the RJC, the Responsible Jewelry Council. And it's kind of like our version of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock on the stage at the Oscars. It's, it's got that sort of shock value for us because um, Pandora, which is uh, everyone knows the brand, has uh, resigned from the RJC Richmond, um, we, we understand, has done the same. And then it's the story that we broke that the executive director at the RJC, Iris um, van der Viken, also resigned. And this is all over the RJC's failure to, to really deal with Alrosa's membership. And um, Sonia, it's been quite a news day in that sense. Um, just one thing after the other at the RJC. What do you make of this? I think
2: they were on, uh, um, targeted by a lot of people who care about ethical diamonds and responsible sourcing. For weeks, you know, it's been going on. What is the LJC doing? Why is not the LJC saying? Um, I'm sure it must have been a very difficult position for Iris in the past, since the the invasion of Ukraine because, you know, she wanted to uphold the uh, uh, organization to really high standards. And I think that's uh, that's what the industry was waiting for. And big respect to her for, for taking this leap. You know, and the fact that big companies like Pandora and Richmond, and Pandora was one of the founding members, and I think Richmond as well could be. So the fact that they're living, you know, is 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 very interesting. And let's see what, what's next, really.
0: I can imagine Iris's um, frustration, and obviously we can't speak for her. Um, but the the organization really took on a very clear direction under her leadership. And actually, I saw on LinkedIn this week that it was uh, people were offering their congratulations to her for her. Th- three-year anniversary at the RJC. Um, little did we know that there was this going on behind the scenes, but um, really the organization took a very clear direction and, and good messaging as well and gained some traction, it was felt, um, under her leadership. So that's why I think there's this kind of shock value to it.
2: Yeah. And I think she really made it an association that people were proud to be a member of When you speak to designers and they tell you, i got the RJC seal, you know, that's something really big for them. It means we are responsibly sourcing our material, our gemstones, and we're part of something that means, you know, that tries to do good for the industry and consumer. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the consumer. I think that'll be very interesting to see how things unfold in the the coming weeks.
0: I mean, Pat, I I know that the RJC, um, the US market has been... Challenge at times for the RJC is—is—is is, is that an organization that your typical retailer has um, awareness of, is aware of?
1: The most important thing with the RJC right now is to look. Our industry has always been one to not move real fast, right? I mean, adopting technology, pivoting, being nimble, being flexible is not something that we have been really good at. And right now, this world is changing so fast. And there are things that have to, we have to move fast. We have to make decisions. The highest standards are important for whether it's a retail jeweler, a mom and pop store, or uh, the RJC working with some of the largest site holders in the world. Doing our best, keeping to the highest standards, being able to to move quickly and being nimble and flexible, know your news, know what's going on in the world. A lot of independents look to the bigger, larger organizations for leadership. And we need really good leaders, right? We need the leaders to be nimble. We need the leaders to know exactly what they're doing as quickly as possible to let the independents know what's going on, they, they look for the AGS, the JA, they look for their associations who are involved with the larger RJCs to let them know what to do.
0: I think that's part of the frustration that people have had with the RJC. Um, and just to give a bit of background, the RJC is the, the organization that sets um, standards for supply chain issues and responsible sourcing um, within the the jewelry and, and watch industry, and obviously diamonds is a big part of it. El Rosa was the vice chairman of the, um, held that position of the the board and has been very involved in the board of the RJC. And when the war broke out in the Ukraine, El Rosa, which is part, one third owned by the Russian government, uh, voluntarily resigned from its position as vice chair of that board of directors but it continued as a member of the RJC. In other words, the RJC was essentially saying um, that it could continue its membership and it was in compliance with its various codes of practices and standards that it sets out, um, even even considering what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. And so I think, um, you t- Pat, you touched on two points there. The first was the lack of... Um, flexibility and, and nimbleness I mean it's an it's a it's a month into the into the crisis where people are asking questions about Oros and 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 the RJC has been silent um, we haven't heard from them and the second um, thing is is taking that leadership position that uh, people wanted to hear some sort of communication and decision making from the from the RGC and that and that wasn't forthcoming and then obviously there there is that ethical question that uh, that people were asking you know why why is Alrosa still a member what is and and there seemed to be this this um, debate going on behind the scenes that is now coming to fruition it's uh, you know that it's coming out um, now, as we as we see those bigger brands and Iris herself um, stepping down from their, their association with it, so I guess Sonia, the question then is: will be what would the right thing now for the for the RJCB to do? How do you you know what sort of damage control should it um, undertake?
2: I mean, it feels like if whatever they do now feels a bit late in the day. I think some people already criticised Tiffany for not taking a a big stand earlier, you know, I saw a lot of comments on Twitter, when Tiffany announced they wouldn't use new uh, Russian diamonds, whether they come from Russia or they come from another place, they've been polished in India. And a lot of people say, where have you been for the past three weeks, which I'm sure Tiffany took a lot of decisions behind the scenes that we're not privy of. But the public opinion is very strong on, you know, on the war in Ukraine. and, um, And it feels like if you haven't reacted in the first few weeks, people remember. I think, you know, where were you at the beginning of this conflict? What did you say? How did you uh, denounce the action of Putin and the, and the Russian army in Ukraine? So I feel like, you know, whatever the RJC says now, especially now that they've lost the, the leader in Aries, I think that's going to feel like a bit late in the game.
0: I mean, so, so you'd agree with that, Pat. Um, I mean, if you were advising a, um, say an independent jeweler now in the United States, um, or what would the the conversation look like in terms of um, how you approach the crisis in the Ukraine and the aspect of Russian origin diamonds? you know, yeah, what would that discussion um, sort of look like at, at this point?
1: So I, I think my discussion would be very similar to the ones I've been having about blood diamonds. Know your suppliers, trust your suppliers. know exactly who they are, where they're buying from and build that trust. It's so important to stay on top of the news, know what's going on, getting your news from the correct places. I think the same discussion I would be having is a, a discussion I've had for a long time with retail jewelers, which is to know your suppliers, know who you're buying from, make sure you're buying from responsible sources. And now you just add on that you don't want diamonds from Russia.
0: Unless that retailer is okay with diamonds from Russia, of of course. But it's uh, because that's where the the confusion comes in. Because the sanctions are legally speaking, the sanctions are limited to direct imports of diamonds from Russia. Meaning that if rough is bought from Russia and and manufactured in another center and then imported to the United States, it's um, it's legally speaking okay to use those diamonds. But what we're seeing now. Is that the many of the the major retailers, um, like Sonia, you mentioned, um, Tiffany, and and it would seem those that are taking issue with the RJC are going beyond that, and and it's left to the retailers to take an ethical, make their own ethical sanction, uh, so to speak.
2: Tiffany coming under fire for saying they're not going to use new Russian diamonds, but they will keep the Russian diamonds that they have already in. And I think that's uh, that's going to be an issue for a lot of people who have a lot of diamond coming from Russia on their inventory already. What what do you think? the what is the right thing to do, or what do you think the industry as a whole should do?
0: That's an interesting question because the 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 calendar becomes important in that. So the Russian invasion was on the twenty fourth of of February, I, I think, if I recall correctly. W- what does one do with Russian goods that that you bought? Um, pre-invasion. And um there's a strong argument to to say that the, that those are those would be okay because they at the time weren't um funding this uh, this invasion, although the money went to those those government coffers um as well. So, you know, or they did, but um but we didn't know about it. It wasn't knowingly <laughs> knowingly going to to that effort. Um, and so, so I can understand Tiffany's sentiment that uh, beyond a certain date, that they would need to, um, and and it's it's understandable because El Rosa has such a large stake of in the in the diamond market. You know, it's it's almost I think it's you know, by our estimates, it's twenty five to thirty percent of global rough diamond supply, um, and so there's. All those goods are in the market, um, and uh, and and so I think you do need to set certain boundaries. And I think looking at the calendar and being realistic about um, a company's ability to stop sourcing and and from when it received the goods or or, or had paid for the goods already, um, that's also maybe some flexibility comes into things. It's a developing story and um and we haven't at, at the time of recording we haven't received a response from the rjc um we expect that they will issue some sort of statement in the coming days and and possibly by the time that this recording is published they would have uh they would have issued some sort of a statement so i would encourage everyone to keep an eye on uh on our news feed on 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 wherever they get their news from because it's an important um story and I'm quite anxious to uh, and eager to hear what the RJC has to say it should be uh, I mean for us bad new, you know bad news is a good news day sometimes <laughs> because it gives us some exciting things to write about but it's it's definitely a it's one one to remember I think so uh pat just to change the subject a bit um because you're now, is it a month or two into, into your, your tenure at, at Rappaport? Um, it feels, I know that at Rappaport a day feels like a month. So how that experience been for you? Has it been a, a learning curve?
1: <laughs> it has been just about two months and uh, I'm still in that learning curve. I think I'll be in that learning curve for at least a couple more years. Uh, but I absolutely unequivocally love it. It has been a really fun ride so far. I feel really lucky to be working with great people. Um, when I was looking around at different companies, I knew I wanted to work with good people, hopefully help move the needle in the jewelry industry and, um, be with an innovative company and all of those boxes are checked with rapport and more. So I'm I'm thrilled to work with some very smart people, including you and Sonia. I absolutely am having a blast. It's definitely a good ride so far.
0: Thank you. I was going to plead my own ignorance because I am now 15 years at Rappaport and that was earlier this month my anniversary and i feel that i'm still on that learning curve so um i don't think or i hope it doesn't ever end <laughs> because there's always some uh, something something new happening in in our industry and i think that's what makes it so exciting as well but maybe you can give us a bit of a background of um what led you to rapport. you know what give us a bit of a a nutshell of the of the Pat um, career book, and you're allowed to name drop because I know that um, there have been some uh, some impressive um, companies that you've worked with.
1: So that means this podcast is going to go on for a long time because this is over thirty years. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to give you the highlights. Uh, we didn't warn any of the listeners that I am Irish. And, you know, Irish, we like to tell stories. So uh, there should have been a little warning, Pat's Irish, uh, when you introduced me today. Well, believe it or not, I started my career in class rings, selling art carved class rings. I am not somebody who came from the jewelry industry. I'm not somebody who worked for a third or fourth generation store. I was someone who needed a job, and I call it my accidental career uh, because I never woke up dreaming, ah, I want to work for the jewelry industry. I knew no one in the industry. So I started selling class rings. And the joke is, is I started selling the absolute uh, hardest thing to sell to a retail jeweler because uh, that selling class rings taught me how to basically add value to an item that took the longest to sell. A retailer would take weeks in weeks and hours and hours to sell a class ring that maybe they made $20 on. So, um, I also learned how to openly admit to a lot of mistakes to build trust in that jewelry industry for sure. At the time, art carve was owned by Lennox China and crystal keepsake diamonds, which a lot of people remember keepsake a, uh, a big name in our industry. So, um, I had a blast. Uh, I went from Art Carve to selling, um, gosh, I went to uh, help launch Hearts on Fire. Well, first, sorry, I I went to De Beers. I spent 10 years building brands for De Beers uh, from NWA in New York. We had the De Beers account at that time. And then we moved to J. Walter Thompson in New York. Uh, Those 10 years, I will say, were some of the best 10 years in my career. I look back on it and uh, I learned how to embrace culture. I learned how important it was to educate customers. I was able to travel abroad to South Africa to the diamond mines. I had 10 of my best learning years uh, at De Beers. Uh, Went to work, started building brands, uh, helped build brands at um, Hearts on Fire, the world's most perfectly cut diamonds. Absolutely loved that. Went to work for JCK, had seven years at JCK. Some of my still closest friends today are from JCK, from De Beers, uh, from Hearts on Fire. Uh, Hearts on Fire learned to to build brands. JCK, I was a salesperson um, for the Southwest, for Canada, for the Caribbean. We sold about seven different products and magazines. Absolutely loved that. Loved being in the uh, publishing world. And um, then I uh, started my own business, Jewelry Coach, which is an online sales training tool. And also consulted with many of the top brands in, in the industry on how to sell their brand at the counter, developing methodologies for selling brands. Loved it. Uh, hearts on Fire called me back. Few years later, and said, "Please come back and head up our learning and development department." So I did that. Had a blast. A lot of you listening probably has heard of our university, where we it's a huge educational event. So we ran uh, universities, we ran academies, and um, had a, had a great time. So then I went into consulting for a couple companies. I worked for a startup as their CMO and lord here we are at uh, rapport that was a quick 30 years <laughs> uh and uh, tried to fast forward that
0: we're still trying to figure out if you have the credentials for uh, for, for working at Rappaport. i'm not sure if that uh Jumping from, uh, f- from sales to marketing to branding to, uh, <laughs> to publishing. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very impressive. And, uh, and it's, um, I- in private, we've spoken about how, how difficult, how difficult it is to leave the industry. Um, and it's, uh, it sounds like, you know, I think we've all had that, that, that bite that uh, once we're bitten by the, by the diamond and jewelry trade, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to, to leave.
1: Yes. well, you know, one time or another, I've had friends who for whatever reasons tried to leave the jewelry industry and they've all come back. I can't think of one who has, who has left and not come back. Um, I think it's such a small industry and, um, Many of us have known each other for thirty plus years. We know each other's families. We we are friends. We've built this community, and uh, so it's hard to leave. It is hard to leave. It's hard to leave family, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's uh, you know, I think we, what we've seen this week is that it's such a um, it's such a diverse industry as well. When I speak to my friends about what I do. And they asked me what I write about, you know, I, I, the range of topics that we've touched on, you know, even to, even in this small discussion, you know, from the politics of the, of the industry to how geopolitical and economic elements creep in and influence the trade to the business side of things to the glamour. And it's, um, it's just, it's, it's so diverse and so, so, um, unending really that it's uh it keeps us hooked I think um you know that uh I mean S- Sonia you you maybe have a more diverse background in uh you know in before coming to Rappaport in uh in what in what you did um but I'm sure that's been your experience since uh since you you took the plunge
2: yeah no absolutely you you know the famous story that for why should I walk on a diamond magazine surely there's nothing to write about to um starting to research the subject and finding it fascinating, you know, like um, you need to know about history and politics and economy and uh, the stories, the people, the passion. Yeah, I mean, I'm hooked, and then I've, I've only been at Rapaport in uh, for five years. I don't know how many Rapaport months that makes, but that's uh, <laughs> that's um, five really rich years of, uh, and and you meet personalities as well. It's just you know and and people who've been in the trade for, for a few generations, they have amazing stories, but the people who are creating their own story today as newcomers, they're really exciting to watch as well. And, um, and I think the thrive, you know, to, to create beautiful jewelry, but also to have high ethical standards to, that's more than just, it's not just about the greed and the money and, uh, selling big diamonds for 30 or you know 20 30 million there's something really there's a human dimension to our industry i think which is really really uh, fulfilling and rewarding to to see on a daily basis as we do in our job
0: right i mean we we were, we were talking earlier and um and maybe it's a nice little segue into our our um discussion about the oscars which um happened earlier this week happened um In a big way, (laughs) but, um, we were discussing that we were discussing how sometimes it's difficult for those, um, new up and coming designers in particular to get the big exposure that, um, that the, that the bigger brands are are getting on the run on the red carpet, for example. Um, I'm just wondering in, you know, since you mentioned it, um, you know, what, what are some of those challenges? Because those are the, those are the exciting sort of uh, subplots that are taking shape in the industry today. There's so much innovation, both in terms of technology and design. I think that sometimes it gets lost in those big branding and marketing exercises.
2: So I feel like, um, first of all, there was a time, in, and I feel like, you know, I'm going to sound like a very nostalgic person, but, um, and I'm not usually, but there was a time if you were going to the Academy Awards, um, if you were a star, a movie star, you'd be wearing your own jewels. You know, you were Elizabeth Taylor, you had a beautiful diamond, you wore it. Um, any star was actually wearing their own diamonds, which means that they were representing their personality, which I think, you know, when you look at all the history of the Academy Awards, it's very exciting to see. Today, um, all the celebrities that walk the red carpet have stylists that advise them, tell them, you know, which brand they should wear. And it's great, but the stylists have deals with the big brands, all the celebrity Sell or himself as a as a deal, as an ambassador with uh, the brand. So that's why you see Cartier and you see Harry Winston and you see Omega on the wrist of Nicole Kidman. And they're all very glamorous. Don't get me wrong. You know, I love looking at these beautiful pieces of jewelry, but it feels a bit limiting in what you see on the red carpet. So you'll see the, you know, the Bulgari and the um, Shepard and Kwiat and, you know, and they do a it's really, I, mean, I think this year they were really amazing looks, by the way. I really, really enjoyed looking at all this. But I feel a bit disappointed that these stars are not taking more risks or the stylists are not going to look for these young up and coming designers. And I think, you know, and that's actually limiting the diversity of this uh, jewelry scene on the red carpet. And, uh, and there was only one person, and if I missed others, please contact us after this podcast. But there was one celebrity, um, Maggie Gillenhall. Who wore an amazing Chaparelli dress with the um, that had that kind of golden sculpture on the dress, and she was wearing earrings by Grace Lee, who's a young designer from Los Angeles. Um, we profiled her in a in a magazine, I think, last year. And I think that was really refreshing. That was exciting, and uh, you know, and I hope there will be more celebrities like Maggie uh, Hall and, and a stylist that say, "Let's do it. Let's really try to give a chance to these new names to." To shine on the, on the red carpet, where well, you have millions of people watching and social media, everyone you know is sharing pictures, the following there, and and it's such a big big opportunity for, for someone to to be noticed.
0: Yeah, well, well, one thing that you what that stood out for me in what you just said is that that you just don't see people bring their own pieces to the red carpet. That sort of um, flashback to the or throwback to the to the glamorous um, old uh, Hollywood, um, stars like Elizabeth Taylor. And, um, I think that would, that would be a really refreshing, um, thing to see on the, and and a, and a great endorsement for the, um, for the, for the industry. I mean, Pat, I, I wonder if you can comment on this, that, um, now why don't we see these sort of these sort of uh, diamond jewelry icons like you know like we we had in the in the in the old days um is there a commercialization an over commercialization of um, of the red carpet do you think um i don't know if this is something you you can comment on or not
1: yeah i that's a great question and uh, i keep thinking that social media has something to do with it now It seems like a lot of the brands are going after the influencers. You know, who has all the followers? Who are the influencers? And they're not the Liz Taylors of the world or the, you know, the uh, high profile Hollywood stars. It could be a young gal who is talking about uh, jewelry designs that she loves and she's educating consumers and she's become this influencer or instead of going for that that hollywood glam i also think hollywood has kind of done it to themselves too the um hollywood glam those it, it's just doesn't seem to be there anymore maybe because there's is it social media is it that there's lots of knockoffs is it that what the difference is now to them i'm not really sure is that Cachet of that Hollywood star because of now we've got Netflix and all these different platforms that you can get your your entertainment from. That big flick, you know, that big Hollywood flick that you're waiting for and waiting for is competing with a lot of other things now. I'm not really sure, uh, but just off the cuff. I think that there's a lot more competition out there with uh, social media. I remember with De Beers when I worked for De Beers, and look, this is like 25 years ago. Our Diamond Information Service team would go to the Oscars, would go and dress the the stars with jewelry and make sure, and you know, you were just hoping that they would be seen on the red carpet and they would be able to say, Hey, I am wearing this necklace from memoir or this ring from memoir or this uh, whoever it is that they're they're wearing it you were just hoping that they would talk about your brand and if they did we would have a huge celebration in a party that they have just said something about what they were wearing most of the time that didn't happen but now I noticed while watching the pre-red carpet that the interviewers were actually, they call out that brand automatically. And you know, it's a part of the package, you know, it's part of the deal. It's not something that just happened to happen organically, right? It's part of that package of them wearing. I remember the days where we couldn't get the jewelry back. Part of the deal was they had to get that jewelry back. And they would, the actors would say, no, they wanted to keep it we're like but that's not part of the deal we have to have that piece back <laughs> and that there were those conversations going back and forth but I, I don't think that happens anymore but i think it has a lot to do with social media
0: well i think the sense of entitlement probably probably does still exist <laughs> in uh in hollywood
2: i have a friend who's a stylist and she can tell you she has to chase a lot of these celebrities still to get her jewelry back so
0: amazing Amazing. So, Sonia, which um, what what looks? Uh, d- what did stand out for you in on the on the red carpet? Was there any you know maybe give over your top three looks or trends or, or celebrities? If you have
2: oh, top three, okay. I think oh, I saw, I saw, they were. I tell you, I really enjoyed it. So I will tell you, I'll go for Zendaya. It was a young actress, and she was in June. That won a lot of um, a lot of awards, and she's an ambassador for Bulgaria. But she really, really nailed it. She had a short white shirt, um, a sequin skirt, and she got all these serpentine bracelets around her wrist on both arms. It was beautiful, and she had one around her neck. And I have something for snake jewelry. So first, you know, I love the look, but it was. It was fresh, it was elegant, it was chic, and it was very young as well. She's a young woman, so it was really, really nice. And it was um, kind of also a wink to uh, Sharon Stone, who uh, I can't remember exactly when years ago uh, came to the Oscar wearing a white shirt and a skirt. And it was very, very chic at the time, and no one had ever wore that look before. So it was nice. It was a reference to a former star. Um, not that I mean you know a former event and it was also like making it more edgy and cool and really really on trend and she looked stunning I love uh, Zoe Kravitz she was wearing quiet and she was exquisite she had an Yves Saint Laurent dress pink with a bow and she was just delicate and refined and glamorous and she only wore this really really nice classic diamond riviere which I thought was super elegant and she was just you know um a site well there were a few more oh actually i would like to mention venus williams who came usually you wear gold to the oscar it's not ruled but people would wear obviously high jewelry and she came with silver cuffs. and you think oh silver cups to the oscar but they were not any silver cuffs. they were um elsa peretti the famous cup that elsa peretti designed for tiffany so we're talking iconic jewelry and you know like very the it's like the symbol of the powerful woman, and I think to see them on Venus Williams, where she had this gorgeous white dress, and the look was perfection—really, really, really perfect—and it, it really showed her personality as well. So, if I had this, this three as my my top looks from the Oscar, and um, and a special mention—I know you're only asked me for three, but I'll tell you another fourth. Who wasn't an actress, but she came with um, a husband. She is Polita Washington, uh, married to Denzel and um she was wearing earrings and i noticed them on instagram but i didn't know who was the designer i thought there was something really interesting about the earrings i couldn't see the diamonds from the picture and then i found out they were by um fawaz kurosi former the and they actually with amber and brown diamonds and she they were just beautiful earrings there's there was something about them that was a bit different and not you know the usual white diamonds shiny and um and personally, I hope that Denzel Washington would have won the Oscar for Best Leading Man. He was magnificent in Macbeth uh, by Joel Cohen, but you know Will Smith won, so this is the that's the story.
0: Yeah, w- Will, Will Smith needed a moment during the during the Oscars, I think. <laughs> but um um we, I mean, we. we it was an eventful night. It's not something I watched, to be honest. But um, when I, when obviously off the day after, when the story, you know, all the memes and all the videos of the the onstage um, slap that, that that Will Smith gave to Chris Rock, you know, that was the moment that everyone uh, that everyone was talking about, and I, and and everyone can't stop watching. It's it's this sort of viral moment that you. Every time you watch it, you kind of want to f- phone your best friend and ask them if they actually saw it. Um, but uh, there were some other very special moments,
2: yeah. But I feel sorry for the the marketing and PR company of Glenn Spiro. Glenn Spiro is a British designer, high jewelry designer. Um, some of his pieces at the Victoria and Albert Museum, he's been worn by you know Beyonce, everyone knows anyone. He's extremely creative, innovative, and he actually, um. The wife of Will Smith was wearing magnificent earrings by Glenn Spiro and a ring. And it feels like, you know, this beautiful jewelry got overshadowed by all the drama and uh and so yeah. So I would like to mention I think it was really, really beautiful choice of jewelry and uh and a beautiful piece and I'm just, you know, a bit um disappointed for this designer that his jewelry maybe didn't get the attention it should on this day.
0: Yeah. Well, to 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 close off the the podcast, I mean, you know, Sonny, Son, you've given us such a comprehensive and, and really nice overview of of the Oscars. Did Did you have any? Let's keep the the slap out of it. But did you have any favorite moments um, during the broadcast that uh, that stick out for you? Or maybe Pat, we can uh, we can ask you as. We'll, we'll ask you both, but um, we'll get, let Pat go first on, on that one.
1: We have to keep the slap out of it. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that for you, Avi.
0: <laughs> Are there any movies that, you, um, that you've seen that you, that you were rooting for at the Oscars?
1: Well, you know what? I hate it, but I have not seen very, hardly any of them. So I have a big Oscar list. I can't wait to see Coda. I have a big Oscar list. I will say my favorite moments are when they go behind the scenes. When they go behind the curtain and they have that those moments of the person that has won and they're talking and hugging it out with friends and they're just being really superhuman. I, I love watching that part. You could be behind the scenes the whole time as far as I'm concerned. But yes, I have a huge list of now uh, movies I want to see. Maybe if Rappaport if I can get a little bit more time out of my day, I'll be able to watch some movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I've also got that long list and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of them, um, a lot of those movies. Um, uh, Sonia, you're a bit of a film buff, I know, um, but w- were there any standout moments for you during the during the broadcast? Did you watch the whole thing?
2: Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was just, pick it up towards the end because of the time difference or maybe actually i watched the beginning and then i fell asleep again and then i watched the end because i was on twitter and i heard something happened so i wanted to to check it out I'm um, I'm the same i haven't watched a lot of the new movies I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed to say but um the one i i loved is real macbeth when i'm not writing about diamonds or reading about diamonds and jewelry i love watching shakespeare plays so uh, you know, I'm I'm really, really critical of any adaptation, but this one is just brilliant and uh, very moving. And Denzel Washington is one of the best Macbeth I've ever seen, and I've seen a few adaptations. It was really a role made for him, and um, beautiful production as well, black and white, really stunning. And I think actually the film Coda and, and the the award, the um, the actor won Best Supporting Actor. um had an interpreter because he's, you know, he he had an interpreter and there was a very moving moment uh, in sign languages. And also he was wearing a a brooch that meant love in sign languages. And I think that was really touching the power of jewelry, how meaningful it can be. And, um, you know, it's not about the diamonds. It's not about the the big names and the big brands. It's about what does a piece of jewelry mean? In that case, a literal world. And um, it's a whole language and a whole, you know, a whole way to communicate, and I thought that was very moving and beautiful. So that was one of my favorite moments, and unfortunately, got overshadowed by the whole drama.
0: Yeah, as everything did. Um, so, do you want to hear mine?
2: Of course, Evie.
0: <laughs> I was waiting for you to ask. Um, I didn't watch it, and I haven't watched. Um, I haven't watched any of the movies. I'm actually very. I'm very Netflix centric, and um, and. And so a lot. Uh, in fact, I have watched the, the power of the dog. Um, and, and don't look up as well, which kind of annoyed me, but the power of the dog was, was very good. Um, but, um, I'll, I'll, on Netflix, I've just, I, I just watched, um, Holston, the se- the series of the, the fashion designer Holston. And, um, he had this inner circle, which included Elsa Peretti and Liza Manelli. And I saw a clip after the, after the show of, um, Liza Manelli. Presenting the, was it the best picture award with Lady Gaga? And for me, that was, I thought that was a really beautiful moment in the, in the, in the broadcast. Um, I thought Lady Gaga handled, handled that interaction so beautifully and, and, um, and perfectly. And Liza Minnelli just as, as she was depicted on, on Holston, she's just such a, such a icon. And, and also for me, a throwback to those sort of iconic, I don't know if she was such a diamond, but um she has that all about her and uh for me that was a standout moment during the during the broadcast i, I, th- I thought it was pretty cool that she she made an appearance
2: I, I thought it was very touching as well and what was very very interesting is that she was wearing her own elsa Peretti jewelry it wasn't from the pr companies hers were actually the the real i mean not the real deal not that you know Now Tiffany is not producing the real deal, but the original uh, jewelry from that time. So that was also a very nice jewelry moment.
0: There we go. So it was uh, what we were asking for. (laughs) <laughs> so, so it's again, it shows that sort of uh, different era of um, of celebrity and using diamonds and jewelry in general as a symbol of one's personality. Pat, thanks so much for joining us. It's been so great having you on the podcast, your debut, hopefully of many more to come. And we are so excited to have you with us on the on the Rapport team.
1: Thank you. This has really been fun. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And I'm really proud to be on the team
0: thank you and Sonia as always it's so great to have you on the podcast you and for bringing your insights uh, from from all your knowledge about the uh, about what happened at the Oscars and different uh, aspects of the RJC it's been great having you on the on the on the podcast again
2: thank you so much Evie. And if you ever do uh, a podcast on Shakespeare please call me back as well I'm, I'm available.
0: How about you host that podcast, and uh, and you can test my lack of knowledge. <laughs> um, maybe
2: maybe Pat, that's a new product to develop for Rappaport. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that I was going
1: to be busy that day. That you had that podcast
0: anyway thanks everyone for joining us and have a great week and uh, stay safe out there thanks for listening thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by ignite a full service innovation science and technology division within the de beers group spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry